Hi, and welcome to Portland Conversations. I am Jason Allen, and the conversation rolls on as we talk about the upcoming Portland elections. Today we are with Portland City Commissioner, Position 1 candidate, Candace Avalos. Candace, hello. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I've got a, a billion and one questions uh, I want to ask you, but we're only 30 minutes, so I can only get to like maybe eight. So, uh, But but I think we're going to cover a good broad spectrum and uh, I, I think this will go really, really well. So let's uh, start with leadership, I, because I think in this trying time as we're going through this COVID crisis and as we try to get out of this COVID crisis, uh, leadership has been brought to the forefront. Good leadership, especially as at the national level, has, has been kind of vacant. Um, as a younger generation... And as as the younger voice, uh, talk to me about how important it is to have that perspective as it goes into uh, really leading going forward. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll start with a little bit of my background, because I think that it's definitely part of why I believe so much in our need for stronger leadership in City Hall. Um, I work at Portland State University. I have a master's of education and I've been an educator for 10 years. And I work with the student government on campus. And I found my voice and my leadership as a young person in student government. And so I kind of followed that through into a career, into helping other people that were like me um, to rise up and talk about things that matter and make sure that they're, they are heard in decisions that are being made for their future. So, you know, that is a big reason why I'm running, because I feel like I not only can hear that generation, I'm on the ground, I'm a part of it. Um, and I feel the impact of, you know, the way that the economy is leaving us behind and leaving us out of the conversation. And so I think that with four out of five of those seats being open, we can't afford to not have this voice there, especially as we're trying to recover from COVID-19. Um, and I think leadership just really comes from, you know, being able to understand the people that you represent, um, being able to speak on their needs and also, you know, just be good stewards of the dollar that they're putting into the government, um, that that dollar is there to protect them and give them resources. So I think that communication and good leadership are going to be pivotal. And I feel that I've had a, a, I've built a career on leadership. Um, and I think that I can offer a, a different kind of leadership. In right. Uh, as we were talking about leadership, uh, so much of that leadership is going to be needed, I mean, crucial leadership, as uh, we look towards a, uh, what I'd like to term an equitable recovery. Uh, and, and, I mean, there are good ways and bad ways of coming through this. Uh, 
uh, bad ways as not covering everyone under the umbrella and just get you know helping those in the highest tax bracket and so forth, and not where it truly really is needed uh, for the marginalized and just the day to day paycheck to paycheck people who are just trying to get by. Um, how uh, in, at the city uh, uh, commission level, how can uh, you help bring about a um, not only pol- good policy, but also that comforting sort of steadiness that's really needed at this time? Absolutely. Well, you know, I think we're definitely seeing that all of these efforts that are being dispersed, these resources for businesses and people are unfortunately just continuing to go to the people that have already had access, people that have big businesses. And it's like, where's your money? Oh, it's in stocks. Well, that's not our problem um, that you spent it. And now you need a bailout from the people who are continuing to give into that. Um, And then, you know, looking at like the stimulus check, for example, it's like how many houseless people went without? and they need it the absolute most. So, and they needed it before this, right? So I think that it's gonna be really important for us as city leaders to really look at, you know, who is on the bottom rung Mm -hmm. and what do they need and start there. Um, And I really think that that intersects with how we're addressing houselessness, especially um, as we're trying to recover. Not only are they so vulnerable that they are more likely to contract the disease, Um, And they're going to spread it, you know, and they don't we need to be able to protect them so they can protect themselves, but also so we can protect the community. Um, So I think that that is going to be crucial for all of the people coming into City Hall um, in 2021, that they are putting that at the top of the agenda and for real this time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So I think that, you know, equity in these resources Um, You know, we can create systems to have accountability um, for how we spend it. And you know what? I think PSEP is a really good example of that, the Portland Clean Energy Fund Committee, um, because it's like, okay, you're going to have money that's going to be coming to address the needs of low income and communities of color. Let's put those same communities on the board that's making decisions for how that money gets dispersed. I think that's a really good model to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to see more programming like that, that gives the people directly more input because, you know, we as leaders, like we don't know all the answers. I'm not running because I think I know all the answers, but I know how to bring everybody that has those answers to the table and come to the best solution. So I think that's going to be pivotal when it comes to how we talk about equitable distribution. Right. And as we continue to talk about equitable recovery, uh, yeah. so much of that is going to be affected as for, as far as uh, affordable housing. Uh, I, I believe, you know, because the rent doesn't stop, right? Uh, and, and those people who are, had it tough during quote-unquote normal times uh, have just got to, I mean, everyone thinks about and uh, what's happening right now as far as like a rent sort of um, freeze almost a little bit. Uh, something tells me it's not going to be that way and uh, forever, you know, and the, the poor people, they're just going to find themselves instantly underwater, and and uh, that you know that that scare you know that scares not only me but a lot you know a lot of people. How do uh, how, how how can the city commission uh, and, and and really as far as uh, policies and just vision uh, address that as we move forward? Yes. Well, you know, honestly, I'm a big supporter of giving people their money back in cash. And I think that rental assistance is going to be really key because 
so many people that were already teeter-tottering on the edge are going to be pushed over with COVID-19, with the loss of jobs and income. And so I think that the way that we look at our resources um, as we're budgeting um, for how we're going to recover, um, I would like to see money that is going directly to families and saying, we need you to stay in your home because it's so much cheaper for us in the long run to keep people where they are. And so I think that rental assistance is going to be huge in addressing that. Um, and I think that also, you know, as far as leadership goes and what you're saying, um, I, part of my campaign is about how we change communication with constituents, because I see the government as, you know, it's, it's outdated. And, you know, I'm a millennial, right? But like a lot of us are and way, the way we engage with each other, you know, it's unique, kind of, um, you know, like you were speaking earlier about how your kids are just so much more plugged in and it's true. We yeah. just have so many more access, so much more access to resources. And so how are we leveraging that to make sure the government is intersecting with the ways that we're engaging with each other and saying, give us your feedback. And here's, you know, some easy information about um, how to do X, Y, Z. Um, you know, again, <clears throat> working with students, I had one student who was like, I don't even know how to vote like from my home. And I was like, honestly, I barely know how to do that either. You know, like the whole like putting up the little red thing on them. Like, I don't have a mailbox like that. So I made a video for it. I did it for my campaign. And I was like, here's how you do it. You know, and I think that we can be creative in how we communicate to people. And it's going to be things that can be, you know, our everyday things like, Let's make sure that the agenda and what we're talking about in City Hall is more widely known so that if people want to give us feedback, they can. But then also that crucial information. My campaign manager is a small business owner, and she has been so frustrated by the lack of communication. I would like to see us use Prosper Portland to put some more funds in there. Um, and I think that that's going to be really important. Right. Uh, and of course, affordable housing to me uh, also kind of dovetails into uh the homeless situation and uh, as, as you know, the burgeoning homelessness and even more so as people find themselves deeply, deeply underwater from this. Uh, how does the, how does the city commission, how, how, how do they come together and figure out um, ways to uh, alleviate and just deal with it? Well, I think that for me, what I see is there needs to be more of a case management approach to houselessness, because number one, people that end up houseless, um, it is so many different things that can get them there, whether it is, you know, the loss of a job or a, a domestic violence situation, an addiction, a mental health issue. Um, but, you know, there's it's also about relationships. It's about people that have broken relationships and they need, and relationships are how a lot of us move through the world yeah. um, more smoothly. And so I think that that is where the city needs to be more of a relationship builder with its people, um, especially those that are houseless. And I think like Street Roots does a really good job of that. Um, you know, they provide community for their vendors and, you know, they celebrate when they get housing. And I really want to see us leading more on that with compassionate policies that show um, our empathy and our leadership. Um, and I think that, you know, we need to give people things that they need. 
they need water, they need sanitation, um, they need a safe place to just be, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'd like to see us invest in more self-governed spaces. I know that is that is a controversial um, opinion for some because people are like, I don't want to have, you know, a, a, a space in my neighborhood that's for the houseless. But you know what? We're going to need to give a little here. We're really going to need to make room for our neighbors that this is their community too, and they deserve some dignity and respect. And I think the city needs to be forthcoming with giving them the basic tools they need, having places where they can have sanitation. People need the dignity of a bathroom um, and being able to wash your hands, especially with COVID-19. And then making sure that if we're moving people around, we're moving them into shelters or into, you know, onto paths towards shelter. Um, and so I would, you know, when it refers to like the sweeps, because um, those are also controversial and people are upset about that. And they should be because, you know, we keep shuffling vulnerable people around, sending them down this further into this spiral of poverty. Um, and we have to be more creative about how we make those decisions for sweeps and make sure that we have somewhere for them to go. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, let's switch uh, gears here a little bit and let's talk about um, climate change and the green technologies and how to progress forward you know, in, in the city of Portland uh, as we uh, move through the crisis and, and really uh, move forward. Uh, Portland has always, and Oregon, has always been a leader uh, as far as uh, green technologies are concerned. Uh, how do you, at the city council and the city commissioner level, how do you want to uh, uh, help push that along? You know, addressing the climate crisis, like many things, is about strategy, it's about assessment, it's about good benchmarking, and bringing in the right people um, to make the decisions that make the most sense based on the data. So I think that, you know, as we are working towards our, our plans to become carbon neutral and to have a more a greener economy, make sure that our development is in a sustainable way, um, that is going to take some serious coordination between the bureaus um, because so many of the issues of the bureaus intersect into how we address climate change. It's a big reason why I'm a proponent for changing the form of government because I think that the way it currently is structured when you have these bureaus kind of or these um, commissioners overseeing bureaus in these silos um, and it makes it really difficult for that cross-cutting strategy that needs to be happening to address the issues like housing and houselessness and transportation. Um, so I, I really feel that there's also, this is also another opportunity where let's let young people lead. There are so many dynamic young people who are not only committed to this issue because of course it affects them the most, um, but they're creative. They're coming up with innovative ways to design new systems that are gonna get us on a path towards a greener city. And how are we investing those ideas back into our city? So I would really like to see us um, better partnering with the, that next generation on addressing this climate crisis. You know, and that is a great segue into the next question is uh, really something that's been on my mind is, is the younger generation and how how to engage uh, and how, how they can become engaged and, and really, uh, f you know, find and amplify their voice. Uh how how do we is you know is you know me an old curmudgeon how do how do uh, how how do we engage them and tell them their voice is so crucial at this time and their vote is so crucial at this time how, how do we uh, how do we uh, combat the you know being turned off and just oh my gosh I see all this you know on TV and I don't want anything to do with it or uh, how, how how do we combat that. 
Civic engagement is a muscle. And I think that education is a really important start where people get that muscle worked. Um, that's something that I do in my work at PSU. I actually run an internship program for, it's like a political science PS199 class, and they intern with student government, but also, you know, I help them explore what are their passions, what do they care about, and then connect them to things in the community so that they can invest those that energy in those passions, right? So I think that what I would really like to see um, is the city being a leader on um, having paid internships. I mean, it sounds so simple and so obvious, um, but we really don't invest enough resources into things like that. And that is not only giving young people a, gen a genuine place at the table and giving them opportunities to be a part of discussions that we're having, um, but it also, it, it funnels them in, you know, it makes them passionate about government. It makes them passionate about, you know, wanting to represent their communities. And I see it all the time with my students. I was just talking with um, a group of students the other day and one of them, um, she's currently on my student fee committee and she started in my internship last year and she's worked her way up. You know, she's on the student fee committee. She just got elected for another term. And I was like, you know what? You are a perfect example of how when you give people the resources that they need, the tools that they need to be taken seriously and to put their ideas into action, they will blossom. And so I really believe that City Hall, that's where it needs to start. Because your local, um, you know, your local democracy affects your life so much more. And, you know, a lot of it is just teaching. You know, I'm texting um, a bunch of like 18 to 21 year olds right now and being like, hey, like get your ballot in. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. this it's easy now and here's how you do it. And we're lucky to live in a state where it is so easy to vote. Um, and so I have been doing, you know, every year at PSU, we do a huge voter drive um, and we get, you know, tons of people to turn in their ballots. And so, you know, I think that there's, I have a lot of strategies on this and it's totally a big reason why I'm running um, because I think that we can do better. Excellent. I, I, I just got a quick follow-up question because uh, while we were talking, uh, something popped in my brain. Um, as an educator, do you feel uh, it's important that uh, we restart like in high school and even junior high and, and you know grade school uh what we had when I was a young when I was a strapping young lad uh civics oh yeah you know cuz i think that is one of that's kind of just disappeared and gone into the ether and yeah. that sounds like so much of what you're talking about at the uh at the college level uh, yeah. but applying that in more in a, in a more uh accessible uh, way as a learning tool for the younger generation because it seems like they're they're already kind of plugged in anyway they're way more socially conscious than I ever was you know yeah. and uh, what what do you think about that so I'll tell you a quick story I actually and I'm like oh I can't remember his name but I had a really awesome civics teacher in seventh grade and um, he was just so good at engaging us and helping us connect, you know, how all of these things connect to the bigger picture, things that were happening in our lives as young people. And actually, um, one day I was on my way to civics class and I'm, I'm a nerd. So I was always at class, you know, right. You know, there's like five minutes to transition to class. And I was always in there first and everyone's in the hall, but I'm a nerd. And um, I, he was like, hey, come look over here. And I was like, what is it? And it was 9-11 that oh. that was happening. And I, um, I live, that was in Northern Virginia. And so like, but I remember that moment so much in my life because not only like I was walking into my civics class 
he's showing us this. We were talking about these different dynamics, right, in class, yeah. and then that happened. And I mean, that was a life-changing moment right there for many of us that experienced that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think about how important the role that he played in helping us process that mm-hmm. um, as, you know, 12-year-olds. Um, and I think it is so important that we have more teachers like him and that we really invest in that kind of curriculum to be like standard, not just optional. I know I, I appreciated that that was like a standard part of your your curriculum back where I grew up and you had to take governments and you know, all these world history classes and stuff. So yes, I I totally think that we need to invest way earlier in that because again, civic engagement is a muscle. And once you, if you give people the opportunity to be heard and to feel like they, their voice matters, anything's possible. Excellent. Um, we were talking about um, the equitable recovery, and uh, I, I've always been a little concerned through this uh, about as, as we come out of it, uh, the uh, making sure our leaders are, are um, representing all. You know, everyone is under the umbrella. No, nobody, because even under you know the most normal times, so many people are marginalized and they're falling through the cracks. And uh, uh, at a time where all of that is exacerbated. Uh, to, to you know to a breaking point almost um, how how, uh, how do we make sure that our leaders and uh, uh, Portland you know city commission city council how, how, how do we make sure that uh, everyone is being under the umbrella everyone is being represented well I think it starts with the simple fact that representation matters because I am somebody that that is my lived experience you know I look at the people that run for city hall or run for city council. And so often there are people that are homeowners that, you know, they have wealth, they're able to move through this economy smoothly. And it, I've had a really hard time, um, you know, not only with my astronomical student debt, and you know what, I did everything right. I was told go to school, you know, my, my, my grandparents brought my mom across the border um, in the 1970s. And trust me, they instilled in me, education is our way up. That is how we are going to make it in this country. And so I took that seriously and I did everything I needed to do. And here I am with this, you know, debt that is a huge burden. I can't afford to buy a home because of it. And, you know, how am I, if I can't get by, you know, how are others that didn't go and get their master's degree doing? Right. So I, I definitely think that having that voice is a huge first step because if you don't know what that feels like to live paycheck to paycheck, how could you even begin to form policies around that? Um, and I think that too often politics is exclusive to people that have money and resources. And that's why we continue to not see any of that money and resources trickle down to us. So I think that, and, and honestly, there's a lot of really awesome people running for city council um, that have these different experiences. And I think no matter what, this is a, a decade defining um, election for Portland City Hall. Um, and I think it's going to be having, I'm hoping that some of these like stronger voices get elected like myself um, so we can really change our path going forward. Right. Uh, changing, changing the path. Uh, how does that uh, come into context with uh, infrastructure? Because so much, so much of it needs to be addressed. I mean, we were talking, uh, you know, in the, in, in the past several years about everything being overhauled. I had desperate need 
for for some just fundamental change in the way the infra- infrastructure here. Uh, I know here in the metro area, infrastructure a lot is is through metro, but it's got to work hand in glove with the city council and you know even more up with Multnomah County and so forth. Uh, how at, at at the city council level, how uh, how do you move forward with that? In as in with uh, communication and just uh, a broad vision for the future. Well, you know, I think it's another good reason why I think we need district representation for Portland City Hall, because so often communities that they don't have representatives at City Hall, they all come from the west side, you know, a lot of them have. And um, East Portland has been neglected for decades. Mm. And we continue to say people continue to run on, you know, equity for East Portland. And it's like, how, when? When is it going to happen? You know what I mean? I mean, I've seen it over the years. Every year there's new candidates and it's like they they don't have any power. So that infrastructure is going to be addressed by the system in which our our government governs. Um, And I think that, you know, obviously that's a long term issue, but I think infrastructure is a long term problem. Um, And the root of the problem for me is how we govern. And I think that having those districts, not only would people be able to be represented from these places, but also they could be more collaborative with the city and or with um, the county and metro, because those district partners could be more in sync with how they're making decisions across those jurisdictions um, for different areas of the city, because every area needs different things. Right. Um, So I think that that. You know, obviously, I know these are my answer is a bigger, big, big picture, um, but I really think it's the root and is why I'm running on that kind of platform, um, because I think we can't, again, we keep talking about how we're going to do these things for people. They need power and they need consistency, and that's going to happen by changing our government. Excellent. How do, how does that? Uh, what is the first step? Do you think uh, Candace Avalos, day one, bam, you're there behind the you know the lectern or or the desk. Uh, what is the first step? Well, I think the first step for me is going to be how I hire my staff and my team because I, I really want to be strategic about the kinds of people I'm bringing on and the kinds of positions I'm creating. Um, you know, I think that Joanne Hardesty, for example, um, she's got like a community engagement person and that was kind of new for City Hall. And it's like, why is that new? Um, why isn't that in every office and why isn't that a high priority, right? So I think that I would really want to put a lot of time into how I'm building my team and what their duties are going to be. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, of course, going in, I know that the government's not going to be different and we're going to have to work on that. So I'm going to have to work within this bureau commissioner system. And I really want to create some action teams. Um, again, strategic leadership. I mean, that's what I do. I do that at PSU. I created a national organization to unite student government leaders across the country in our best practices. I know how to bring people together to the table and come up with solutions that we can all like be proud of. So I think that that's going to be a big part is these action teams I want to create on housing and houselessness on transportation, get the people that I need to know, the experts that I need to know and hear from in the room and start there so I can start to build out what that larger vision and plan is for my term of four years. Excellent. Um, next question is uh, having to do deal with law enforcement. Uh, as, as far as a good positive public, not only public image, but public policy and, 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 uh, execution of policies uh 
how how would you uh, uh, talk a little bit about that relationship and what needs to uh, be addressed and really more focused on? Well, I have a lot of opinions about this because I'm the acting chair of the Citizen Review Committee, which is a police accountability board for the city of Portland. And, um, you know, it's also a big reason why I decided to run, because we were having so many issues pushing through policies that the community agreed upon um, and had city hall support. And we would keep getting stonewalled on making these changes that we needed to increase accountability of the police. You know, I think that the way the relationship that the police have with the community is really at the core of the relationship that the community has with the city. And so that's why I think it is the number one priority to address that relationship because it's going to better the relationship people have with City Hall. And I think that right now, you know, of course, people often say, well, we need a police or we need a a culture change in the police. And that comes with leadership. Sure, it does. But you can't have a culture change without true accountability. And so I really the number one thing I would be um, advocating for is changing the standard of review for the Citizen Review Committee. Currently, they have a standard that is um, unfortunately has to be unnecessarily differential to the police when we make our decisions. And I'd like to see us move to a preponderance. I won't get into all the details. It's a lot, um, but that's the basics of it. And I think that's a good first step to ensure that, you know, that board has actual teeth, um, that it's not just an empty gesture by the city, what we're doing. Um, Because, you know, we made, for example, we made a decision that we agreed with the police chief on that needed to be made because an officer lied to a protester that they could be arrested for filming. And that is not true. And it was a huge case that we that it moved through all these levels. We agreed on what the punishment was going to be or that there was going to be consequences. And then um, the police chief decided without even informing us to go back on that. Mm. So it's like well, what are we doing here then, right? Until we can fix those systems and ensure that that kind of stuff doesn't happen, we're going to continue to have a damaged relationship and in, in, in our trust with the police. Um, so I, I don't think the mayor would give me the police, <laughs> the Portland Police Bureau. I highly doubt that. Yeah. But I'm going to beg them for it um, because I think that I can offer some new strategies for how we build that relationship. Candace, why don't you give everyone the information URLs my website is candaceforportland.com. On there, you can see my platform, a little bit more about me. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Candace4PDX. Um, and I would love the support to um, get this new generation of leadership to the same hall. So thank you. Excellent.